Sam. Yeah, Don. What's the word? Jingle. Jingle? As in the jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way? Yes, half jingles availed us nothing. Where'd you hear that? I, I heard, heard it through, through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collective voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Hiya, Sam. Don, today we're talking with Paula D. about her story, Getting Connected, in this month's Grapevine magazine. Remote communities and staying sober through the holidays are this month's topics. Yeah, I've had an opportunity to read it already. It's a great issue. It's starting a meeting in the mosquito-infested jungle of Costa Rica. That's one of the stories. Another is uh, an alcoholic working in an oil rig camp on a far northern isolated island in British Columbia. And a story that only we would find riveting. Get this, the drama. Going out for dinner on New Year's Eve for the first time. Sober. Ooh, chilling. <laughs> oh, it, it's good. <laughs> and Paula's story uh, is on page 13 of the December 2021 issue. It's called Getting Connected. My disease, and I have a few of them, but I'm talking about alcoholism. <laughs> That particular disease, <laughs> it wants me to be disconnected, to stay isolated. Yeah, it, it does that to us. How's that show up for you, Don? Well, when the pandemic started, I started a Zoom meeting. The first week, I saw someone else doing one. And I was going, we need to do this in our area. So I started shivering denizens at you can go to nc23.org and search for Shivering Denison's Monday through Friday at 530. It's a meeting that's still going on. Uh, yeah. And now you expected that to be like two or three weeks, right? Yeah. It's going to be a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't know I was making a commitment to, get to go to it. At that point, it was seven days a week. And I, it was good for me. It helped. Kept you sober or certainly helped keep you sober. Yeah. In times of, you know, panic over the pandemic, what's coming, what's going to happen? <laughs> Are we going to live or die? I've maintained an equilibrium and have continued to maintain an equilibrium ever since then. In fact, recently I was traveling for two weeks and couldn't go to my regular meetings that I go to because I've been sober for 28 years and I was going before the pandemic three meetings a week. That worked for me very well. Plus meeting with sponsees and talking to my sponsor and making telephone calls and all that every day. But once the pandemic started, I started going every single day. And when I was traveling recently, I couldn't get to all those meetings and I started feeling disconnected. It's amazing how much just spending an hour a day going to a meeting makes me feel, how do we say it? Happy, joyous, and free. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. I was thinking today about gratitude and about my life, and it's I'm really happy 
right now. And it's because I'm I'm in all that. Two weeks of not being able to do it, I started getting antsy. Yeah, that that being a part of is an important thing. And I think, you know, it comes back to how long do I have to go to meetings until you want to go to meetings? <laughs> yeah. That's that's where I am. I want to go to meetings. And it, it that connection is a hugely important thing to me. Yes. Well, today, Paula is joining us. Let's meet her. Hi, Don. Hi, Sam. Hi, everybody. My name is Paula. I'm an alcoholic and I'm from uh, Peconic, New York, which is out here on the east end of Long Island. And my home group is the Kutchug Step Group on Tuesday nights. The and what? The Kutchug Step Group. It's like Kutchug. an old Kutchug. I think it's an old Indian name. We have a lot of Indian names out here. Uh, yeah. I thought this had something to do with putting down the jug, the yeah, plug in the jug. That, okay. There were plenty of Plenty of jugs and kachog in the day, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paula, thank you for joining us. Paula, when did you get sober? I got sober in 1988. I got sober in Manhattan, on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And my home group was Regency, which was on 86 and Park. And we used to have a joke. We said more Park Bench than Park Avenue. Because <laughs> it, was the, it was the low bottom drunks, of which I was one and glad to be a member. What does that mean, low bottom drunk? Uh, for me, it was uh, it wasn't so much that I'd lost a lot of things, and you know, I hadn't been. I was twenty eight, so I hadn't been married. I didn't have a lot to lose, but I had been um, really torn from the inside. It talks somewhere in our book. I, I think it might be the first step about the damage on a moral fiber. That was what it was for me. I had hit bottom as truly as mm. any, um, even though I was young. I was ready to do anything. And so I was uh, glad to be a member of the Regency group. And there was a man who made coffee. His name was Don, too, as it turns out. Huh. And uh, they didn't trust me with the coffee pot, but they made me his assistant. So mainly I just talked to him while he made the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if I helped him, but I know he helped me a lot. So I was grateful for that. Yeah, I was sober in Manhattan uh, for five years and then we have a funny saying, we say at five years, you get your marbles back, mm -hmm. which maybe means you you have some brain power. Mm -hmm. So I, I went to Hawaii. I, I had all these frequent flyer miles from a job. You know, when you're sober, people employ you. And I went to Hawaii. It was an amazing By journey. yourself. By myself. And I you said, moved or you well, went? That is the rest of the story, Don. You found it. I ah. said, why am I getting on this plane going back to Manhattan? I'm staying in Maui. <laughs> so I stayed I in Maui. You went, uh, wait a minute, you mm -hmm. went to visit? Yes, sir. I've been to Hawaii. Since I'm in paradise, <laughs> Yes. I might as well stay. I might as well stay. I have friends I haven't met yet, and that would be people in AA. There you go. You had a community as soon as you I got I had there. a community, an instant community. And it's funny because this Grapevine article that we're speaking about came a little bit through Hawaii. You know, during the pandemic, my home group in Hawaii, that would be Kihei Morning Serenity, give them a shout out, have a daily Zoom meeting. And one of the people on that Zoom meeting said, hey, Paula, you know, the Grapevine has got their article deadline for the senior issue for seniors in AA. Because I had been telling her the story of these women that I had been helping getting connected that were in the um, assisted living facility that had been quarantined and locked down. She said, you better get your story in, Paula. And that was on a Zoom meeting. 
She's in Hawaii. I'm in New York. I when you moved back to New York. Yes, I did, uh-huh. sir. I, I, I met a wonderful man in Hawaii, sober, 30 years also, 31 years. And we moved back to New York about 18 years ago. So we're in Hawaii about 10 years. Well, nice. so what, what happened? Was, so you go to Hawaii. You've yes. been sober for five years. Yes. You immediately connected to AA. Tell me what you, how did you start oh, going to AA? Boy. That's what's so cool. I just really threw myself in. You know, here I am, I'm single and I've made this crazy move, which it seemed crazy, but it was the smartest thing I ever did. You know, God leads us in ways that we just don't know. Maybe in the first year, it might have been crazy, but (laughs) (laughs) I started doing service. I started going to meetings. They had, you know, potlucks and um, we called them roundups. They were like campouts and Mm -hmm. uh, I would be on the committee and I just threw myself in. And that's what's so amazing about this program, that it's everything you want if you take it, if you grab it. Was it different? I mean, the meetings were different in Hawaii than they were in Manhattan, I would imagine. Night and day, Don. And I learned the important thing that I think is somewhere in our traditions. Don't say something like, this is the way we did it in New York. Don't do that. (laughs) 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 Whatever you do, don't do that. But no, I I threw myself in. And it's funny because I've been going to these Zoom meetings with my old home group in Hawaii while I'm here in New York. Many of my sponsees are still there sober. Both of my sponsors are still sober. Um, you know, 41 years, 45 years. I mean, the blessings. Yeah. In, in the time of tragedy, the pandemic, there have been blessings. And reconnecting with my old home group in Hawaii has been one of them. Wow. Zoom has absolutely been an important part in, in a lot of our recoveries. And, and those reconnections that you're talking yes. about for so many people who have moved and been able to, to reconnect with people and groups that they were uh, connected to where they got sober. And then there's the, the, the tourism that has happened to the AA tourism, right. uh, going to meetings in other countries <laughs> and such, all from your living room or wherever. <laughs> It's been a really cool thing that has come from this horrible experience that we've all gone through. Exactly. And, you know, that's an interesting statement there for me. It just hit me. You know, every single one of us that has gotten sober in AA have, we've gone through a horrible experience. Mm -hmm. And if we stick around, we get something absolutely beautiful out of it. And collectively, we have gone through this pandemic experience, another horrible experience, and look at these amazing things that have come from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because everyone who gets sober, no one gets sober because everything's going beautifully, <laughs> peachy keen. Everything is falling apart. That's the way I got sober and everyone I know. So Paula, what was going on inside of you in New York that you decided that you're going to, as a young person, go mm-hmm. to AA, get off of the park bench. Yeah, ain't that true? <laughs> um, well, you know, I uh, my mom is actually a member of AA. She's passed since, but she was a longtime member. And being an ACOA, adult child of an alcoholic, I always thought that I was just a party girl. I didn't think I was an alcoholic because I knew that once you're an alcoholic, you went to AA, right? So I kept trying to perfect the party life. This was the 80s, Don. Maybe you remember the 80s, right? Party, party, (laughs) party, party. And, you know, I realized one night when I couldn't control my drinking yet again, 
that this wasn't a habit. I wasn't a party girl. I was an alcoholic and I was powerless. I think I had done a lot of my slipping and sliding out there, Don. So when I came, I was truly convinced. Can you give an example of something that happened to you that where you went, okay, this is it. This is proof to me. Yeah, I had I had tried to stop uh, myself. And I think I put together about three or four days, Don. Now that's, for an alcoholic, that's like an Olympic medal. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, you, you deserve a medal in sober four days. That's why we have chips in the meeting. Exactly. Okay. So I went to a restaurant, not a bar. See, I separated, you know, denial. If I go to a restaurant, that's not drinking. It's a restaurant, it's not a bar. If I went to a restaurant and uh, <laughs> I like the way you think. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I was had something to eat and they asked me if I wanted a margarita. I said, oh, no, no, I'm not drinking. But then, of course, the waitress asked me the second time. That's all it took was the second time. And I started to drink. And I remember, I think my whole paycheck, I think I left at the bar. And now I moved on to the bar. Forget the restaurant. I remember coming sort of out of what must have been a blackout on top of a building in Manhattan. Here we have a lot of buildings have these windows. You can look down into apartments. And I was probably would have fallen in if I hadn't woken up in that moment. And it was probably that night or the next night, because again, once I started, I couldn't stop, that I realized I was powerless. This wasn't just a habit. It was the fatal progression. Now I know the words. I didn't know the words Mm -hmm. then. I just knew that something was very wrong and I needed help. So you've got that awareness that, okay, if I start drinking, I'm not going to stop. But then there's this compulsion that I have to start drinking. Mm-hmm. If this is a solution for me, this, I can't do this without it. And so that obsession would kick in and I would take that first drink and then I'm off to the races. Yeah. So needing help to not need to take that first drink. Yes. Um, that's what got me finally to surrender and in these rooms. Yeah. All of, we were talking earlier about being disconnected. Yes. We had an earlier guest and I really put this together that the opposite of disconnection is community. Mm-hmm. And the way to be part of a community is some form of service. And then I'm like in the community, I'm kind of part of it. And the service can be anything as simple as NAA sharing in a meeting or helping with the coffee pot <laughs> or you know, just standing around while someone else makes the coffee and talking. <laughs> you found me out. <laughs> but everything happens in that conversation around the coffee pot. It's where, you know, one person connecting with another person. And in that connection, for me, that's where my higher power lives. Your article talks about you helping to connect people. There's two ladies. One is named June. She has 43 years of sobriety. And the other is named Dee. She has 50 years of sobriety. These ladies are well into their 80s. And I couldn't help but notice in the beginning of the pandemic when Zoom came, which I was so grateful for, there almost became two camps of people, people that were willing to try Zoom and people that were, I'm never going to try Zoom. And I have to say that in our area, Some of the people not trying it were the younger people who had access to all of the devices, all of the knowledge. It was our older people that wanted to, but didn't have the resources and mostly the knowledge. I knew, just like you said, Don, that 
I needed service. My group had, had shut down. We were not in person. We did have a Zoom meeting, but somebody else was chairing it. There wasn't a lot of service opportunities. So I reached out to these two women and said, you know, can I help you get on Zoom? Now, we laugh about it now. One of them said, oh, I'm totally willing. That'd be great, Paul. I said, great. Well, get out your laptop. I don't have a laptop. I said, okay. Well, why don't you get out your phone? I don't have a phone. I said, you don't have a phone because I have a landline. I said, okay. <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> and, you know, her willingness to try it however she could. And the first meeting, it was D. We went to the Yukon meeting out of remote communities that had been going long before the pandemic. My understanding is they were set up for the pipeline workers. So we called in with her landline and she had an audio meeting was her first meeting. And it was just like the world opened up again. You know, she was living alone. Her family was far away. Uh And here at 12 noon, she could hear alcoholics and she couldn't share with them. We hadn't figured out the sharing part yet. We hadn't figured out the connection part. So I very much felt it was progress. You know, the first time we did the audio. Okay. Then we figured out how to share. We pressed different buttons. Okay. And at the same time, June was up at the assisted living in our area and her particular facility was one of the early hotspots of the virus. And it was under lockdown. It was Mm -hmm. people weren't even coming out of their rooms. It was a very scary time. She also wanted to log in. She had a phone. We were one thing ahead. She had a phone. Okay. But, you know, because as you get older, it's hard to hold the phone and hard to press the buttons and see them. It was kind of like a comedy act every day at 1130. I would call her up. Okay. We're going to get started because it would take us about a half an hour between the buttons that were pressed wrong and this and that. My patience grew, my love and my tolerance for this woman who had so much willingness to stay sober. And in my group, there were people that just didn't come on the Zoom. They were too busy. Too busy doing what? You know, we're in quarantine. Mm. I don't understand. So over time, I worked with June, who was up at the um, facility. Her son was sober, and he smuggled in an iPad. So (laughs) iPad got in. We worked out over the phone how to get her logged in on the iPad. Now she's in business. She's in business. The story Ultimately, I got snuck into the facility through a friend who happened to be a member, and she celebrated her 42nd anniversary on Zoom. And I'm still teary-eyed because I was just telling you earlier that this article was written last year. So just this last week, June celebrated 43 years, that would be one more year, in person because our meeting is open up now. And in the front row was her sober son. Her sober granddaughter was one who spoke on the Zoom meeting and Dean with 50 years all in the front row. I got a seat in the back row because it was standing room only. Uh For me, they taught me about willingness, you know, about if you want to stay sober, you can stay sober. If you take actions, if you're willing to change, you're willing to learn new things, you're willing to embrace what we have. We didn't have. Yeah, things changed. But you know what? We still had each other. So I was grateful for that. And they taught me more than I think I ever taught them. That's beautiful. Paula, I have to tell you uh, that, that when you started recounting the uh, the story, I had to hold back the tears. I mean, my eyes got so teary. It just, I mean, to, to provide these women who are so isolated and even more so than, than ever before, an opportunity to connect, not only to connect with people, 
but to connect with their people. Yes. That's just huge. Thank you. I, I was, it was an honor. Although my husband used to laugh. He goes, you guys going to get started? Yep, we're going to get started. Half an hour, phone hanging out, the wrong yeah, button, the, the buzzer, the, the charger, don't ask. <laughs> yes. uh, my mother-in-law is 92, and I know exactly what you're talking about, but she's very <laughs> willing to engage with the iPad and learn this mm -hmm. stuff. Although, you know, at Zoom meetings, sometimes you will get people, it's like, I have to be patient, but you're yes. listening to them share as you're looking at their forehead. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my. But Zoom has absolutely served us. And, and those opportunities to help people uh, in, yes. in those situations. I got to do that with, with a fellow who was also in his 80s oh, yes. and who was isolated. And yes. I was able to, from my home, do a remote session with him on his computer to okay. get his computer working so and train him on using Zoom as well. And then mm -hmm. he got connected to his people mm -hmm. again. It was a gift to be able to do this and help someone that way. Absolutely. And, you know, also both of these ladies, like I said, I saw them last week. They're all excited about going to Zoom meetings during the winter. You know, here in New York, when it gets cold and icy, they don't want to be out on the sidewalks or, you know, yes. driving and so forth. So this was something they're looking forward to. Some of the meetings that are continuing on Zoom past the pandemic. Zoom has done a huge thing or, or video meetings in general yes. ha, has done a huge thing in providing accessibility to AA mm -hmm. that is unprecedented. The mm -hmm. pandemic has brought AA kicking and screaming into the future. <laughs> there are claw marks on the past. <laughs> well, Paula, before we leave, what's something that has happened to you in the past few years where AA has been instrumental in helping you? Hmm. Gosh, uh, there are so many. Yeah, you know, we're all talking about connected, and I guess that's what also hit me. I went through a period not too long ago that I had sort of a change of some friendships that were very hurtful, and it really affected me. I was, I, I don't know if I was isolated, but I certainly went through some emotional things. I did kind of the same thing again. I threw myself into service and into AA, and the other day I said to myself, you know, I've got like the best group of spiritual sober friends maybe I've ever had in my sobriety. And like I said, I'm 33 years sober. So to be reinvented and sort of regrouped, shall we say a little bit, is all based on the program because I did inventory. I increased my spiritual work. I increased my sponsoring work. I increased my meetings, even though they were on Zoom, many of them. And I just realized that no matter what comes down the pike, Don, and this wasn't very serious, but it did hurt me emotionally, that I would be okay, that AA would be there and the tools would be there. And that gave me confidence and strength. I hear a willingness there too, you know, and, yes. and it's that willingness to take on change, to try something new, to shake things up. Mm -hmm. because I, I recognize that I'm in a situation that what's going on right now is not working. Mm -hmm. So what do I do? And that is not how this alcoholic behaved before recovery and certainly not even in early recovery so much. Mm -hmm. And a willingness to turn to the steps to write an inventory. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Especially because, you know, when you've got time, you gentlemen all have time. It's the disease tells me, oh, you know what you're doing, Paula. Once I hear yes. that, I know I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. <Good. laughs> yeah. 
I often tell my sponsor who I still have a sponsor. And I think that's important, especially as we go on in time. I tell her she has full rights to tell me when I'm getting weird. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I, I read a quote recently, and this is totally a paraphrase of it. Uh, Trust the person who is seeking the truth. Doubt the one who says they found it. Oh, that's a good one, Sam. <laughs> Why do you need a sponsor once you've been sober this long? Uh, we had a meeting on sponsorship recently, and I heard some people who really did not want to have a sponsor, did not want to be vulnerable to another person, telling them what to do, as they put it. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone? I think that's, for me, exactly why. I think that when I, when I don't want somebody to help me as in guiding me or mentoring me, now I'm running the show. And when I'm running the show, first we kick out the sponsor, next we kick out the higher power, and we kick out my group. Maybe, you know, those groups, they're not doing it the way I like, okay? Then the, all the meetings in my town, none of them are doing it the way I like, okay? And now I'm moving further and further and further away from the program and my steps and my, uh, my God, and I'm moving closer to a drink. So I think that my ability to stay teachable allows me to stay sober. Mm. And I have many friends at this time in sobriety who say things like, well, I have my friends and this and that. That's the last person I want as a sponsor is my friend, because she's going to tell me things that may or may not be true because she likes me. Yes. Uh A friendship has a different responsibility than a sponsor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What it boils down to for me is I have to do this someone else's way. If I Mm. do it my way, I will fool myself. I have proven that to myself time and again. Me too. Paula, I'm so glad you're here. And thanks for joining us on the Grapevine podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thanks for writing that article in the Grapevine. (laughs) I enjoyed it. It was an honor. It's been a goal of mine for many, many years. You know, I have a tip for all the Grapevine writers. Two of them. One, you have to write an article. Two, you have to send it in. A guy goes into a bar after his first AA meeting. He orders a drink. Here you go, bub. Thanks. I appreciate it. Now, give me another one. Hey, what are you doing? You threw your drink on the floor. I know it. It's the first one that gets you. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.